Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the next steps for a landmark stimulus package, an update on developments at the U.S. southern border, and more. Joining me here on the line this week is always glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So, Shane, great to be with you. Thank you for joining us on a Thursday this week and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Dan. Good to be with you as always, and uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Absolutely. So, Shay, maybe we can begin by closing the loop on what has been an ongoing fiscal stimulus conversation. I know when we last spoke, it was last Friday. You had said at the time, by this time this week, we'll be pretty much putting a bow on this stimulus package. And it looks like we're moving closer and closer to that point. The House voted to pass that $1.9 trillion plan. So can you remind our listeners, our client chain of some of the notable components of the bill and how soon before relief measures start to be the plan? Right. So uh, you're correct. Yesterday, the House uh, passed this bill. It does not need to go back to the Senate because the House passed uh, the identical bill that the Senate passed. So this goes to President uh, Biden's desk for his signature. And uh, it's our um, understanding that he'll sign this into law uh, tomorrow, Friday. And that way we should expect relief uh, and uh, benefits going out to the American people pretty quickly. Um, you know, the top line items, as we've talked about, is this provides additional uh, $1,400 stimulus checks to most Americans. Uh, there's also increased uh, weekly unemployment benefits. The bill also includes uh, a new uh, enhanced um, child tax care credit. Um, so I think uh, that will be something that many people gravitate towards. And obviously, the core of what's going on here is COVID and COVID uh, needed relief. So there is an additional $14 billion for vaccine distribution, uh, $49 billion for uh, COVID testing and tracing. Um, and don't forget, you know, along with the health, the, the needs for our children, you know, children need child care. So this bill provides nearly $40 billion to support child care. Uh, there's additional uh, uh, SNAP benefits, which some of you may know as food stamps, um, housing relief. So it is a huge bill, of, as you would expect, in $1.9 trillion. Um, you're hearing a lot of talk about uh, getting schools, uh, children back to school. So the bill provides $130 billion uh, to try and safely reopen schools. Um, as far as the timing, you know, some of it will be really quick. Some of it will take a while. You know, like the school funding I just mentioned, you know, that money will start to go out to schools. But, you know, obviously, when you're talking about retrofitting schools for better ventilation, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, whereas some of the other things that may help schools open sooner, like providing PPE, the uh, personal protective equipment, uh, may be seen sooner. As for the stimulus checks, you know, those will probably uh, start landing in uh, people's bank accounts uh, in, in the next week or two. Uh, unemployment benefits are kind of right away. Um, this bill is being signed into law and was being pushed um, to be signed into law by this weekend because if it wasn't signed into law by this weekend, the next batch of stimulus of, excuse me, unemployment checks would have been reduced. So, 
uh, in some respects, you know, some Americans will see the benefit right away. Okay, well, Shane, thank you again for walking us through the components of the bill as well as providing a bit of a timeline as well. It's good news that these benefits will start reaching the American people, and this has been quite a process over the past several weeks. So thank you again for keeping us updated on this throughout the way. I do want to stick with legislation. I did notice earlier this week the House passed the PRO Act, which targets unions and protects the rights of workers. So, Shane, can you expand on what this legislation calls for and the likelihood of it arriving on President Biden's desk? Yeah, this legislation is interesting. It's actually been around for a few years, but I think some of it's um, being heightened or the the draw to it is being heightened by today's economy, which is uh, a vastly more gig economy than it was, you know, a decade ago. So think of it from the perspective of this bill targets um, who uh, independent contractors. So think of someone who drives for Uber, uh, you know, at, at their leisure when they want to pick up a few hours and a few extra dollars, they may uh, decide to be an Uber driver. So Uber would classify them as an independent contractor. So this legislation is kind of going after independent contractors and saying, you know, you're, you're, you are actually maybe an employee of the company that you are supposedly contracting for. So, um, you know, a lot of, Labor and Democrats support this bill, especially over the years. Uh, the ranks in labor, in labor unions have gone down, and they've seen their influence uh, dwindle as well. Um, so this is supported by Democrats and labor unions. Um, and it passed the House. I think there were actually about five Republicans that voted for it, and uh, one or two Democrats that voted against it. You know, in the Senate, it's an unknown. You know, I think right now I don't expect it to pass, especially with that 60-vote uh, filibuster still in place. You still see Democrats pushing to remove the filibuster so they, they can enact uh, items like this one. Uh, but right now, you know, you're, you're really seeing uh, some moderate Democrats stick to their guns and not move towards uh, removing the filibuster. So if that holds, I, I don't expect the PRO Act to be enacted to, uh, into law at this point. Okay, well, Shane, thank you for some color there on the PRO Act, and we'll see what happens once it reaches the Senate. Perhaps we can follow up on this in a few weeks or so. I do want to revisit another point. I know previously we have spoken about how the Capitol, it has, of course, been protected by the National Guard since early January in the wake of the riot. This week, we did hear from the Pentagon. They approved an extension of the National Guard's deployment at the Capitol. So, any sense, Shane, for how much longer this deployment is expected to last? Yeah, um, it looks like this deployment can probably last uh, almost to Memorial Day near the end of May, you know, and it could potentially be longer. I think, you know, um, those involved with the uh, security of the Capitol are, are very concerned about how they move forward. And a lot of the um, initiatives and items they feel that they need to get in place to secure the Capitol are kind of long term. So, you know, the National Guard could potentially be here even longer than uh, that end of May date. You know, um, what right now a lot of people are advocating for is almost an additional thousand Capitol Hill police officers um, and some kind of permanent retractable barricade. You know, they've put up those huge, you know, almost 10 foot fencing that uh, surrounds the Capitol and is almost three miles in length. Um, so they're now examining how can they do something that will be permanent, but it could, you know, be retracted underground and could go up 
if there was trouble and, and uh, you know, wouldn't be unsightly on a daily basis, but could be uh, quickly um, erected to prevent some kind of attack. Um, you know, and obviously that can't be built overnight. So they're really trying to figure out how they move forward here and, you know, strike that balance of, you know, re- 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 knowing that this, the U.S. Capitol is um, a tourist destination and it is a place that the American people should be able to visit, uh, not only, uh, you know, go see the House or Senate in session, but see the the beautiful artwork and statues and history in the Capitol. So while at the same time trying to ensure that the building is secure and that the people's work can be done done in it daily. Um, so this will probably be a process that that extends a longer period of time than, than just the next few months. Yeah, the barriers, they're a sight to see. So it will be interesting to see what kind of compromises uh, security is able to come up with. But thank you for the color there, Shane. And certainly this is something we can continue to follow up on in the months to come. Maybe one final point we can touch on. I wanted to follow up on a topic we had spoken about, I think at this point, a couple of weeks back, uh, this being the migration developments at the U.S. southern border with Mexico. This story has really broken out further since we last spoke including a recent visit to the border by White House officials. So where does this all stand today, Shane, and how might this evolve further? No, you were right to bring this up a few weeks ago. I'm bringing it back up today because this has really escalated. You're seeing, you know, thousands and thousands of um, uh, undocumented uh, workers trying to cross the border, um, and you're correct, senior administration officials, including DHS secretary, has traveled to the border region to take stock of what's going on there. Um, you're seeing uh, thousands of children and uh, adults being detained. So it's, it's really brewing. And what you've seen, uh, I think, over, over the past few months is an increase of migrants trying to cross the border uh, illegally. Um, and this is causing a lot of concern. And you hear the Biden administration trying to tell um, these people not to come across, uh, you know, that, you know, this is not the appropriate time, given COVID, given everything, that, you know, please don't cross the border. But obviously that's not, that message is not being fully uh, heard. Um, you know, while you see the administration trying to figure out what to do, Congress is moving ahead. And I think next week Congress will pass, the House will pass the DREAM Act, which deals with um, those young illegal immigrants and giving them legal status. So, you know, there's going to be some work done here, but unfortunately, I don't, I'm not too optimistic that the DREAM Act will pass the Senate. I think it could pass the Senate. Unfortunately, you know, the rhetoric and, and partisanship is just too heightened right now um, that, you know, even while the two sides may agree on uh, enough issues that they can move it forward, they're just talking past each other and um, not going to kind of narrow the scope of the bill to an acceptable uh, agreement. So, you know, I think I'm, I'm concerned that this crisis will probably be ongoing for 
much longer than a few more weeks. Yeah, well, it's clearly a very delicate situation with wide-ranging implications, so we'll continue to track developments, including what happens, as you mentioned, Shane, with the DREAM Act, but thank you for the updates this week as far as where we currently stand. Shane, again, thank you for the time. The Insight is always joining us on a Thursday afternoon. Appreciate your reflections on a wide range of topics this week, several of which we'll look forward to following up on, Uh, but in the meantime, wish you a nice weekend, and we'll look forward to picking back up with the conversation next week. Sounds good, Dan. Thank you for having me and stay safe and have a good weekend. Likewise. Thank you, Shane. And again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, as always, please be sure to reference the latest edition of the Washington Weekly Publication, which is always posted up on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. For clients of UBS, you can always contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the Washington Weekly publication directly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.